Have you ever experienced this? Words coming out of your mouth and there's nothing you can do about it. And then you drive your point home and you carry on making your points. And now what? Have you ever tried to get toothpaste back into the tube? But maybe you say, but Stephen, that's okay. Because we were all taught growing up that sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never harm me. And is that saying true? No. Some of the most painful things that we can experience come out of the mouths or our own mouths of our fellow human beings. So for those of you who don't know and are joining us today, whether online or over here in person, we are doing a series in the book of Proverbs, a series where we're being invited to God's wisdom. And we're learning that wisdom is so much more than what I know. And it's more about how I live, how I choose, and not only the so-called sacred decisions on a Sunday morning, but every single life decision from Monday through Saturday and right into Sunday. And I'm sure you figured out that the wisdom we're going to be learning today has nothing to do with dental hygiene, but has everything to do with our vocal hygiene and the words that come out of our mouths so that we can choose wisely, to speak wisely. Now, without getting too philosophical, let's think about what a word is. So I have an idea in my mind, and whether I'm aware of it or not, there is either a little bit of emotion attached to that idea, or there is stacks of emotion attached to that idea. In other words, there's something in me, something that's part of my mind and my heart, and I want to take it out of me and put it in your mind and your heart. And we call those things words. And most of us do that on average 7,000 times a day. In other words, the average speaker uses 7,000 words a day. Some of us speak way less and some of us speak way more. But those words have incredible power to create or to destroy, to build or to break, to unite, or to divide. This is how Proverbs 18.21 says it. It says, the tongue has the power of life and death. And so the book of Proverbs, pun intended, has so much to say about what we say. And I almost feel like I'm cheating you by selecting some of the topics because we could have a part B and a part C to choosing our words wisely, not trusting my own wisdom or Facebook wisdom, but trusting God's wisdom. So before we talk about the how, the when, and the why, and the what of our words, let's talk about where our words come from. And the first big wise idea that comes out of the book of Proverbs is this. 
Words are a heart issue. Our words are a heart issue. Proverbs 8 verses 13 says, To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior, and perverse speech. Can you see how our speech is directly connected to our character? And so our speech is going to be an indicator of our character, one way or the other. Proverbs 23, verses 15 to 16, my son, if your heart is wise, then my heart will be glad. My inmost being will rejoice when your lips speak what is right. Notice the connection between if your heart is wise, then your lips will speak what is wise. This is the toothpaste test. What is in us will come out. What is in our hearts, if it is wisdom, will come out in love and graciousness and wisdom. However, if my heart is filled with bitterness and anger, that will come out through my lips and into someone else's heart and mind. I'm pretty sure Jesus had this verse in mind when he famously said this in Luke 6 verses 45. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. But the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. What does it mean to bring something up out of my heart? For out of the overflow of his heart, the mouth speaks. And so if what is in my heart is going to come out, it is so important to understand that what I am storing in my heart, to use these words, is what comes out of my mouth. I am intentionally storing things. What are you exposing your heart to? Because if you are exposing your heart to division and to anger and to grumbling, guess what's going to come out of your mouth? I'm convinced one of the biggest reasons that even we as Christians don't always see the change in our speech that we hope to see is because we let ourselves off the hook. We say, okay, I made a mistake with my tongue, and we all do, me included. But while my words were maybe hurtful, my heart is good. And so we separate what comes out of my mouth from what is in my heart. And because of that, we try hard to control our mouths without ever addressing our hearts. Some of you may know that great series called House with this incredibly abrasive but incredibly bright doctor. And all the tough cases come to him and his team. And inevitably what happens is someone comes in with symptoms that are difficult to solve. And so they come up with a theory. What about this? And then they test the theory by medicating or treating in one way. That didn't work. Let's come up with another theory. That didn't work. Let's come up with another theory. And only when they find out what is actually going on with that person can they truly treat it. And so if you and I want a change in our speech, we need a change in our hearts. And I know that hurts. 
I know that hurts. If we want a speech change, we need to change what we therefore store up in our hearts. Who's that lady on Netflix, Marie Kondo? Is that her name? <laughs> You're either pretending you don't watch her or you've got no idea, but she's basically the queen of decluttering your space, getting rid of everything you don't need. And so if I want to ensure the quality of what is in my heart, I need to regularly, not just try to change my speech, but declutter my heart of the things that have been stored up in there that are going to come out one way or the other to destroy and to break. On the other hand, I need to intentionally store up good things in my heart to again roughly paraphrase Ephesians, uh, Philippians chapter 4, I need to intentionally think about those things that are good, those things that are true and excellent and praiseworthy. And over time, eventually, I'm going to have all of these good things stored up in my heart. And because of that, over time, my speech will change because of the toothpaste test. What is in will come out. So our words are a hot issue, but we can disguise that. Proverbs 17 verse 28 says, Even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silence and discerning if he holds his tongue. Makes me think of that saying where even a stopped clock is right twice a day. That if I've got foolish things in my heart, if I keep my mouth shut, maybe I can prevent people from knowing that. I wonder if Mark Twain had this verse in mind when he said, it is better to keep your mouth closed and let people think you are a fool than to open it and remove all doubts. Here's another way we can disguise what is truly in our hearts. Proverbs 29 verses 5. Whoever flatters his neighbor is spreading a net for his feet. The Google definition of flattery is excessive and insincere praise, given especially to further one's own interests. Now, I'm a human being, and I love a good compliment and good encouragement just as much as anyone else in this room. But what this verse is warning both about my heart and when people are encouraging me is to watch out for flattery. Because flattery is not about encouraging me. It's about furthering their own interests and is coming from a place of brokenness as pleasant as it sounds to my ears. So we need to be wise to that. Both my own speech and the speech of others. And so the first big wise insight is that words are a heart issue. The second big wise insight is this. Think before you speak, and you heard it first here in the book of Proverbs before you heard it anywhere else. Proverbs 10, 19 says, When words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. Now, earlier I did mention that on average people say 7,000 words a day. Some of us speak far fewer than 7,000 words, and some of us make up for that by speaking far more than 7,000 words a day. 
And to our introvert friends, we love you. We love your thoughtfulness. We love the compassion you bring to the room. And our extrovert 14,000 words a day friends, we love the energy you bring to the room. And what this verse is saying is not necessarily about being an introvert or an extrovert. It is challenging every single one of us. When I say something, am I thinking about it? Where are those words coming from? And what are they saying about the state of my heart? So here's a common trap that we fall into that's going to lead us to speak before we think. And that is a failure to truly listen. I want to give you three proverbs. And it's going to be an Old Testament one, a New Testament one, and a secular proverb. Proverbs 18 verses 2 says, A fool finds no pleasure in understanding but delights in his own opinions. James 1 verses 19 says, similarly, everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. And Stephen Covey, some of you know him in his book on leadership, says, seek first to understand and then to be understood. Guys, this is a pro tip because on average, We're not seeking to listen. When you're speaking, I'm watching you move your mouth, but I'm thinking about what I'm going to say next. And I'm formulating my arguments so that when you take a breath, I pick up from where I left off. And guys, this happens in marriages. This happens in friendships. This happens in life group. This happens in churches and businesses and with colleagues. But if we truly did this, I'm going to listen to you. I want to seek to understand you first. And then not to react, but to respond to what you said. I'm going to ask lots of questions so that I've got no confusion about what you mean by that. Because we're not all equally articulate. I find that out about myself on a daily basis. I guarantee you that if you do this, if you zip it and you seek to understand, I guarantee you that what you say at the end of understanding the person you're speaking to will be very different to the thing you would have said if you had just jumped in and picked up from where you left off. So that's the first trap. The second trap that gets us to speak before we think It's a big one. It's a failure to process our emotions. I want to give you two Proverbs and then the rest of the verse that we read from James earlier. Proverbs 13, verses 3. He who speaks rashly will come to ruin. Proverbs 12, 18. Reckless words will pierce like a sword. I earlier said, how difficult is it to get the toothpaste back into the tube? How much more difficult is it to get the blood back into the person after they've been pierced with a sword? And then James 1 verses 19, the full verse, everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Our neurologists have discovered that this is so true. 
And at the risk of oversimplifying, apologies to anyone in the medical world here, oversimplifying what goes on in our brains, we have on one hand our emotional brain. That's called our limbic system. And then we have our rational brain. That's the part of our brain that thinks, that processes, that rationalizes. Now, when you're triggered and when you experience emotion, your prefrontal cortex, your rational brain is bypassed. And the brain that is working is your emotional brain. And there's a very good reason for it. I know there's kind of a big joke that Americans always think that in Africa, we've got like lions walking around our back gardens. But imagine that was actually the case. You're walking around the mall of the south and next minute you see a lion. You don't have time to stop and think. You don't have time to, you know, is he looking friendly, happy, sad? Is he on a leash? No, you don't have time to process. So your brain goes straight to an emotional response. Fight or flight syndrome or freeze. And only afterwards can you kick in to your prefrontal cortex and start working out what's truly going on. Think about when it is most difficult to be wise with your words. It is when you are emotionally triggered. And the reason is, quite literally, your rational brain is being bypassed and you are therefore responding 100% emotionally. And the toothpaste is coming out of the tube the whole time. And so once again, this happens in all aspects of life. Families and marriages and churches. And in case you never knew, this happens on social media. Now, I don't know if you know this, and I promise you this. This is verified time and time again. This is no conspiracy. Social media is perfectly designed to get the results it's getting. Because it knows when you're sitting in front of your Facebook free feed, your Twitter feed, your Instagram feed, and something comes up and triggers your emotions, not just your mind, but your emotions, they know you are going to bypass your rational brain and respond immediately with emotion. I can't believe he said. I can't believe she said. I can't believe that celebrity. I can't believe that church or that pastor. Click. Top, 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 top. Wait for a response. Click. Top, 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 top. And social media is saying, yes, we got you where we want you. Now, I'm not necessarily against social media. We need to know what it is and how to use it wisely. But guys, we are living in probably, at least in the last three, four hundred years, the most divided season of church ever. And here's the sad thing. Most of our divisions are not about primary gospel issues. We are being split down the middle by secondary and tertiary issues. We're like, oh, the gospel of Jesus, whatever. Oh, but this, blah, 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 blah. Kinds of issues that we should be able to respond to our brothers and sisters with grace. 
that we should be able to seek to understand before we seek to be understood. The scriptures say these are many issues of issues of conscience, where you may be convicted one way, your neighbor may be convicted another way, but we get so caught up in our limbic system. We are so emotional. We feel so righteous and so justified, yet we are so unrighteous in how we do this. Now, we have no shortage of things to divide us, but in those moments, and maybe even before those moments, you need to decide which is more important. To be right about this COVID issue, and there's tons of them to divide you. Or to show some restraint. To show some grace. To close the laptop and walk away and take a breath. And to prioritize the kinds of attitudes, loving my neighbor, not judging those who think differently to me, even loving my enemy and even doing that on social media. And if I can't do that just to have the wisdom to walk away, because what is more important to me is the witness of Jesus Christ and his church. And so that's gonna affect how I do this. Paul says to a young pastor, he was probably experiencing a whole lot of controversies in 2 Timothy 2, verses 23 to 24, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels and the Lord's servants must not quarrel. So those are some of the negatives and the warnings and the traps that come out of the book of Proverbs concerning our speech. But let's move into big insights Wise insight number three, and that is what are we going to use our words for? And I want to encourage you to use your words to build and to bless. To use your words to build and to bless. And many of the verses we're going to look at now are kind of wise counterpoints to some of the verses that came before us. But guys, we've got incredible opportunity and incredible power to use our words wisely. Once again, not trusting my own wisdom, but trusting God's wisdom in this. Proverbs 10, 11, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. And all the death in this world, you have the opportunity to be a fountain of life. Proverbs 10, 31, The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom. So let's look at a number of Proverbs that can show us how to do this. Proverbs 11, 11. Through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked, it is destroyed. So here's a big practical challenge. And I know this is a tough one. Can we use our mouths to be a blessing to our city? Listen, you know as well as I do that we have so many challenges on our hands when it comes to government, when it comes to society, when it comes to the leadership. 
And so, yes, we probably got so much to say, and maybe rightly so. And as Christians, of course, there are going to be those moments where we are going to be called to speak truthfully and prophetically into corrupt and into unjust systems and unjust ways. Absolutely, except what most of us are doing is not that, we're just complaining. So I want to challenge you to use your words to bless our city. And if you do have an opportunity to speak incisively into the brokenness of our nation, by all means, use wisdom for that too. But let's be a blessing through our voices. Proverbs 12 verses 19, here's another way we can be a blessing. Truthful words, sorry, truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only for a moment. Guys, I'm going into all the emotionally triggering situations today, but I know, especially over the last 18 months, everyone is crying conspiracy. The left are crying conspiracy. The right are crying conspiracy. And I want to challenge you as Christians to prioritize truth. Have you ever thought about the fact that if you propagate a conspiracy, even if you sincerely believe it, you are spreading untruth. And unfortunately, Christians are so good at buying into this. And I know it is so confusing to try and work out what is true about so many of these hot potato issues. And do you know what? It's okay to say, I don't know. It is okay to say, I'm still trying to figure it out. It's okay to say, I've read the left and I've read the right and I don't know what is true. But it is not okay to abandon truth and to propagate falsehood. Similarly, Proverbs 16, 21, the wise in heart are called discerning and pleasant words promote instruction. Guys, I see this in the church world all the time. Did you know that this pastor said? Did you know that that pastor said? And you know the number of times that I've gone and researched that, and I'm like, he did say that. Let me go and see the context. And even if it is a, a ministry or a pastor that I maybe have some legitimate concerns about, the number of times the YouTube video or the Twitter feed has taken what they've said completely out of context. That if you go and listen to what they truly said, they're saying exactly the opposite. So we need to be discerning about what is true. And we need to be discerning about how and what and when and where we share what we think is going on. So we need to be people of truth and, and, because we love truth. Some of you are truth warriors, but and, Proverbs 15, 1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. 
Do you know what inevitably happens in an argument, husband, wife, parents, children, friends, colleagues, on social media, is very quickly the argument is no longer about truth. It's about who can shout the loudest. And so maybe you start gently, or maybe you start with good motives, and then they shout you down. So what do you do? You shout them down. And then they shout louder. And then they start using language that you would never use. And then suddenly the toothpaste is out the tube and you're using the very same language. And truth is a casualty of that war. How pleasant is it when someone refuses to be part of that crazy cycle and bring gentle truth? Diffusing the emotions with the gentle, well-timed word. Oh, but Stephen, everyone else is shouting and getting so mad. A gentle word is going to get lost in it. And if that's the case, you're in the wrong fight. But let me tell you, there is incredible power to the gentle word. Listen to Proverbs 25 verses 15. Through patience, a ruler can be persuaded and a gentle tongue can break a bone. You don't have to shout and be angry to have power. But by thinking before I speaking, by choosing what I'm going to say, why I'm going to say it, by processing my emotions, and then if I go through all of those filters and I still choose to speak, I'm going to speak with gentleness and trusting great power. So who in this room has got today down? I guarantee you that every single one of you listening online and every single one of you, me included, in this room fail dismally at this on a regular basis. So the way I want to wrap up today is invite every single one of us to pray. But I want us to pray a prayer. I found this in an article online. And in this prayer, just so that you know where we're going, we're going to be, number one, looking at the one who is powerful and gentle and truthful and life-giving and wise in everything he says. We're going to be looking at our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then we are going to be auditing our own hearts in this prayer recognizing that I fall short of this and trusting God for true transformation, not only of my lips, but of my heart. So that's a prayer I want to invite you, if you want to pray it, to stand and to pray with me. And we're going to read this together. And if you're at a home, it may be awkward, but I want to encourage you to read this out loud as well. So let us pray. Lord Jesus, as with all the scriptures, these passages make us immediately think of you. No one is fuller of gentleness and kindness than you. Your heart and words are always graceful, healing, and life-giving. You are committed to free us, 
never shame us. Even when we come into your presence with more fear than faith and more complaining than thanking, you always welcome us. Thank you, Lord. In this current stressful season, we're feeling a full range of emotions, uncertainty, fear, not knowing what's next, confusion. Maybe just hear these words and respond in your heart. Are they up? Let's start that one again. In this current stressful season, we're feeling a full range of emotions, uncertainty, fear, not knowing what's next, confusion. All of these things are a recipe for putting our words in gear before our hearts are engaged. Our family, neighbors, and friends pay the price. Jesus, as you spoke our world into existence and spoke the gospel into our hearts, and we came alive, so speak beauty, gentleness, and compassion deep into our souls. For our hearts are the fountain of our words. Forgive us for channeling our stress by speaking unkind, unhelpful words to those around us. Forgive us when we spew words of reaction rather than offer words of redemption. As the tongue has the power of life and death, please help us use our words to encourage and bless, heal, and help others. Grant us quick repentances when we choose otherwise. Thank you for your patience with us, Jesus. So very amen, we pray, in your ever so glorious name. And all God's people said, amen, amen.